Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, what did Phil Rizzuto used to say? Yeah, can we Holy cow! <laughs> Holy cow, I mean, we got so much news today. Uh, this is I don't unbelievable. Know where to start. This, I mean, this what, is amazing. It's amazing. What happened last night is crazy. That the law firm, that law firm of, uh, uh, what was it, uh, Watkins? And, uh, Alleg- allegedly, a law firm, Latham Watkins, went to called, the court. Called and explain the who court, they are. They pretended they, they were and, Hunter Biden. They supporting team. Hunter Biden. And they called up the court, made believe they were representing Congress, and they and that they should cancel the with, paperwork, with, withdraw the amicus brief that Chairman Smith, the Ways and Means Committee, submitted about why I mean, this oh was a bad God, deal. This, this only happens in the movie. And, and, they, and uh, explain why the reason it's relevant in the brief was the whistleblower's testimony. Right. Turns out they weren't. Uh, they had nothing to do. They pretended like they were representing the member of Congress. And, and, and then about <laughs> 9 o'clock last night, I was at the dinner for a, a birthday party for Craig Eaton, and I get, holy cow, the e- email comes in that the federal judge all of a sudden found out and. And, and, was, uh, and told, gave them to nine o'clock. In, in the studio, we got Judge Weinberg. We have Congressman Peter King. We have First Deputy Mayor uh, Rudy Washington, and me and Rita. And uh, who else did get the, the right answer from? Except Alan Dershowitz. Is Alan Dershowitz on yet? Yep, let's go to the breaking news. Big stuff today. Here we go. Breaking news, WABC. And Professor Dershowitz, we got to get to all of that last night, but let's get right to the big news. The Hunter Biden plea deal fell apart. Uh, you take it away. Who predicted that on your show? I have predicted it right from I the believe, beginning. I believe the author of Get Trump did. <laughs> I predicted over and over again this judge would not accept that plea bargain for two reasons. Number one, it is unclear under the plea bargain whether if they come up with new evidence, like from the whistleblowers, of serious crimes committed perhaps in the Ukraine, China, or anywhere outside of Delaware, whether this plea bargain would permit renewed investigation or renewed prosecution. And the judge did exactly the right thing by saying, I'm not accepting a pig in a poke. I want to know exactly what it is the prosecution can do and and can't do. And I think it's so important that we don't allow plea bargains to go forward that hide things from the public. You know, we never even saw the written plea bargain. What do they have to hide? The American public is rightfully skeptical. Americans are skeptical people. Show us. Prove it. We're not sure. And this was an attempt to try to do something behind people's back. And the judge was courageous. Look, she'd like to get promoted, I'm sure, by a Democratic president. Uh, She was appointed by a combination of Donald Trump and the two Democratic senators from Delaware. So she's neutral. She's contributed to both parties. She seems like a a straightforward person. And she said, no, I'm not going to accept the, the, the plea bargain. It's not in the public interest. You know, Professor Dershowitz, I want to ask you, this to me was extraordinary. I've been glued all day watching the coverage. This to me was amazing. Hunter Biden planned, clearly, he was going to do some statements after court today. They thought it was case closed. Um, That's because they listened to CNN. And CNN legal analysts are 
the worst in the world. I don't think any of them could graduate the worst law school in the country. Wow. They constantly predict what they hope will happen. I better take over they that company no soon. <laughs> yeah, John needs to buy her right away, Professor. Virtually everything they say is wrong almost all the time. And why am I always right? Not because I'm any smarter than anybody. It's because I don't allow my political positions to interfere with my academic expertise. I know what the law is. I've been doing this for 60 years. I predict it down the line. Whether it supports my views or doesn't support my views. And so people have to stop confusing their personal views with what the law Authorized. Hey, by, by the way, I just want to oh, say, uh, sure. Professor Dershowitz, uh, the solution is John buying CNN. That's the solution. Oh, believe <laughs> me. If, and, and John, if you buy CNN, I'll settle the suit with you right away. Okay. <laughs> hey, Alan, this is Pete King. Yeah. I'll, I'll put yeah. that in my uh, clause know, in the contract. Okay. 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 <laughs> now, how earth shattering could this be to the whole Biden team? I mean, to me, this reminded me of Judge Sirica rejecting the plea bargain with yeah, the Watergate burglars. Right. And that. That basically caused the whole uh, Watergate conspiracy, conspiracy to unravel. I think there could be a lot of nervous people around Joe Biden right now. Well, I think there are a lot of nervous people certainly around Hunter Biden. And look, if look, I'm a Biden supporter, I'm a friend of Joe Biden. I've known him for years. I trust him. I hope he's innocent. But if those alleged telephone conversations occurred where while he was vice president, he was put on the phone by his son. I mean, if it's true, and you don't presume anything to be true, if, even if a whistleblower says it, but if it's true, it's very, very serious. And we have to open the investigation, not close it. Today was an attempt to shut it down, and it failed. And the American public are the winners. The Justice Department lost. The Hunter Biden legal team lost. We won. The American public won because this judge did her job as a representative, not of either side, of the United States of America and its citizens. And we're talking to Professor Alan Dershowitz, a great author, of course, of also Get Trump. And uh, Judge Weinberg, you had a great point also about if Biden was on the speakerphone. Explain. Well, Alan, this is is my point, and I've been very strong on this issue. People said, well, if he didn't say anything on the call, just say, it's nice to be here, have a wonderful weekend, the weather's fine. That's, uh, That's good. That's not good evidence. I say when you have 24 calls, and he's sitting there, and he knows Hunter is talking to business associates, and his mere presence is enough to signal, I'm the guy, don't worry about it, I'm your protector. What do you think? Well, there's, a case, there's a case directly on point. You remember that there was a, uh, a judge. Um, he's now a member of Congress, in fact. There was a judge, and somebody said to the judge, according to the allegation at least, uh, I just want you to come to the restaurant and sit there and not say anything because I've told my client, that I can get to the judge if he'll just pay me $100,000. And uh, he said, well, how do I know the judge is going to do it? He said, it's very simple. I told him, I'm going to go to the restaurant, and the judge will wave his hand to me, his right hand to me, and that will be a signal. And all the judge did was sat there and wave his hand. Didn't say a word. Got convicted. There you go. That's exactly yeah. right, Alan. So in other words, yeah. it could be code, just so people listening understand. It's sort it's of a code signal. for It's right. a signal. Um, don't worry, I'm the guarantor of this deal. Yeah, that's and that's relevant. Sit there. Uh, well, How are you? Have a nice weekend. In a past case. And the reason that's relevant, I, I just want to remind everybody it's relevant because Devin Archer, who's supposed to testify on Monday, who is the former best friend of Hunter Biden, 
has is expected to testify if he repeats what he said uh, earlier to Congress that he was physically there when Hunter put his father on the phone up to two dozen times and also that there was a meeting in a restaurant in Washington, D.C. So all of these things together is why it is so relevant. Oh, my God. We get Harris for president. (laughs) By the way, John, the the word today, uh, this was, I thought, the line of the day. Doug Schoen said today, the pollster who we've had on the show many times, said this is a great day for Gavin Newsom, (laughs) who's waiting in the wings. (laughs) Well, Doug is Doug is my former student. I think the only thing that's missing. And if I were a prosecutor or a member of Congress, I wouldn't tell the Bidens whether or not there is a recording of any of those calls. Uh, uh, let them guess, um, because the one thing that inclines people to tell the truth is the fear that there may be a recording. If they know for absolute certain there's no recording, then I'm not suggesting anybody particular could lie. But in general, people feel they can lie with impunity if there's no recording, if it's just my word against your word. But if there's a recording, they're going to tell the truth. And if they think there's a possibility that there's a recording, they're going to tell the truth. Last question. How can a, a big firm like uh, Latham and Watkins, Latham and Watkins a do great that? Lawyer, by the way, the, yeah. great, the, the lawyer Abby Lowell is a great lawyer. I've worked with him; he's terrific. They deny it, of course, and the clerk now seems to suggest maybe there was a miscommunication, but it has to be investigated. Everything has to be investigated. Right now, they're going after only lawyers for the Republicans or conservatives, including me. Uh, they're filing bar charges against me for representing uh, people they don't like. Uh, but um, uh, uh, it's a good firm. But there has to be an investigation as to who's telling the truth, because if you say you're somebody you're not and you're a lawyer or represent a law firm, that's a very serious. Very serious. Very serious. Abby Lowell is a very good lawyer. So I hope it's not He's true. Him. I hope it's not true. I, Alan Dershowitz, thank you for wow. everything you, uh, you say <laughs> and do for our country. I hope you live to 118. I want you to 119. I want 19. 119. <laughs> I, always, I always tell people you I can just, live to 120 in a few weeks. God forbid you shouldn't die on your birthday. <laughs> thank you, Professor. Thank, thank we love you. Professor. you. Yeah, and now uh, we got some other stuff going on. Yeah, we do. We have Congressman Anthony D. Esposito joining us. And we also have New York City Councilman Bob Holden, Democrat. Uh, both of them joining us here on Cats and A Cosby. bipartisan uh, situation. Yeah, like we always do. We show everybody. Uh, talk all sides, John, as you know, here on the show. Uh, both of you guys, thank you very much for being here. Um, obviously, one of the other big issues is congestion pricing. Um, Congressman, let's get to it with you real quick. You are pushing for a bill. Talk about that. Yeah, we got a bill going in front of the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee uh, tomorrow for markup. Uh, it's a bipartisan uh, piece of legislation signed on by uh, Republicans and Democrats from New York and New Jersey, um, basically calling on uh, the implementation of congestion pricing and making sure that no federal funds are used uh, in the process, because as we all know, this is just a direct direct tax on suburbia. It's going to cost businesses more money. It's going to cost Congressman, uh, consumers more money. Manhattan already has one nail in the coffin. I mean, you go up and down Manhattan, there's no traffic. The restaurants are empty. The stores are empty. Uh, if Manhattan was healthy, I could understand. I could understand doing congestion pricing. I can understand it. Yeah. Well, well, John, this will it, be a second nail in the coffin, and you're going to kill yeah. Manhattan for sure. 
and, and it's the height of hypocrisy when you're when you're charging more money because you want to, uh, you know, invigorate uh, mass transit. Guess what? The reason why people aren't traveling on mass transit and listen, I, I spent a career in the New York City Police Department as a detective. They're not using mass transit because it's too dangerous because the Democrats have already uh, implemented cashless bail that has has taken over our streets. Hey, hey Anthony, this is Pete King. Let me just say for the record. First of all, uh, you are my congressman. Beyond that, no one is doing more in Congress on this issue than you, and I really commend you for it. As a new member of Congress, it's great that you're carrying the ball and that you're reaching out to Democrats, because this should not be a partisan issue. Yeah, it's not. Pete, thank you very much. This is a, this is a tri-state area issue. The fact is, is that, like I said, there's local businesses uh, in places like Long Island, in places uh, like New Jersey, who have trucks in and out of Manhattan each and every day. And now they their costs are going to go up tremendously. And where do those costs go? It's go? It goes to everyday New Yorkers, everyday New Jerseyans. And there's a reason why our state is one of the top in the nation mm-hmm. for out-migration. And this is one of the reasons. Yeah, it is a killer. Uh, let's bring in, if we could, a Democratic councilman from New York City, from Queens, Bob Holden. Uh, councilman, your reaction to all this? I mean, this is this is insane. New York cannot sustain this. Yeah, well, I agree with Governor Patterson because uh, there's not that much. And we're not back, like John said, we're not back in Manhattan at all, not even close to being back 100 percent. But I I disagree with John on even if we were back at 100 percent, I wouldn't put this uh, this this congestion. I I agree. I agree. But 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 I'm looking, you know, I'm making it look so absurd, you know, absurd. That they're doing it even under these conditions. Yeah, it is yeah, crazy. It's, it's the worst time to do it. It's, it. First of all, it's never a good time. If you live in Queens or if you live in Staten Island, uh, the Bronx, certainly this is in Brooklyn. This is going to be a, such a tax on top of all the other taxes we have. And it's like John said, it's going to push up prices for everything. If they charge the me another two, three hundred dollars for a grocery truck, I have to reflect it in my prices. Okay. Yeah, but you you know that's where our hospitals are. That's where I go. I used to take my mom and dad. I you'd have to go in sometimes in a month about fifteen times for for treatment for them. How what would that cost at twenty three dollars a pop? Let's say each way, and then they're then they're pushing the price of express buses for my district. We pay seven dollars now each way on an express bus. That stops at 7 p.m. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Uh, us. It is. Uh, Judge Weinberg, you have a question. Well, well I have a point. The fact of the matter is, if they keep the city safe, people would come in. And use, use the subways. And they use the subways. If they prosecuted fare beaters, you'd have the revenues. All this is, as uh, Congressman Esposito and other Congress people have said, and the councilman has said, all this is is a revenue grab. Yeah, cash mis- grab. It's a cash grab. This is mismanagement by the MTA. It's a cash grab now to spend it five years from now. Meanwhile, the, the the city will start to look like San Francisco soon. Well, sadly, it already is, John. I mean, you walk, you go down any street, uh, there are so many empty buildings, so many stores that never came back. I went to a great restaurant where Senator Schumer has his office. It's in the in the basement level, and the food was great. That was the good news. You know what the bad news was? was what? No. Besides that, the bad news was Friday is their last day. They're closing. Oh, my good. And I'm not surprised. There are so many shuttered businesses every street in New York. I, I mean, this is insane. Hey, Councilman. Rudy Washington. Yeah, it's, a re- yeah. it's a recipe how to kill Manhattan. It really is. Yes, it is. It's it a is. ghost town. It's going to be a and, ghost town. And I named the people that voted for it. And some of them are my friends. And I can't understand, what, 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 did they get paid off by the MTA? I don't know, what happened? 
I mean, supposedly, Washington. Uh, supposedly this is going to bring in $500 million a year. And guess what? Uh, fear evasion is roughly $500 million a year. Yes, yeah, so just go after the repeat the offenders. Enforce yes. the law. Enforce the law. And you'll get your $500 million. And, and why should the people in Nassau and Suffolk and Westchester and Rockland and New Jersey and the outer boroughs of the city have to subsidize this? It, it is crazy. It, Council, it, Councilman, wait, I want to ask you, because you're I a Democrat. Live, if, if I live on 65th Street and I go below 60th Street, I got to pay? Yes. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. Councilman, you're, you're, you're a common sense guy. But what's going on with the rest of the Democrats? Again, their their heads are in the clouds because this is the last thing we need. We need. By the way, we have a state casino deal, don't we? That could bring in a lot of revenue. Take the money from there. Right, right. Why are we doing? This doesn't make any sense whatsoever. The governor, oh my God, what a mistake she's making. She is going to put, the, like you said, John, the final nail in the coffin for Manhattan. And Congressman the Esposito, you're really to be commended by your leadership on this issue and by working in a bipartisan way. I mean, that's a wonderful thing. Because if, and, we have a caucus. Uh, we have a caucus, Common Sense Caucus, in the city council. We have six Republicans and two Democrats on it. So it's a bipartisan. We, we're we're going to file a lawsuit on this also. All so right. Okay. Now, now, I understand the six. Who are the five, six people on the committee that voted for the MTA? It was Kathy Wilde. John Samuelson, no, 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 right? No, Samuelson? No, no. no. It's, not, it's not that they vote for it. It's already been established as a matter of legislation. What it is, is there the people have to get in the room and decide who gets exempted and what the price is going to be. And that's, and so. Well, they better exempt grocery trucks. Yeah, boy. <laughs> they boy. better exempt people above 60th Street. Oh, thank you so much, thank uh, you guys. Mr. Holden. We thank lost you guys. The, uh, the congressman. congressman but we thank both thank of them. Thank you, Congressman Esposito. We got to take a, a break. And when we come back, we're going to Iowa. I understand there's a big powwow in Iowa. On Friday. Yeah, and by and the way, the new polls statement. and new polls that are stunning. That after the break. Great. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. We are going to Iowa right now. I understand there's a big shindig in Iowa in uh, on Friday for the GOP. And we have the GOP chairman of Iowa with us. He's been on with us many times before. Uh, Jeff Kaufman. Jeff, what's going oh, on? Well, we got a lot of activity here, and it's great to be back on your show. I love being on this show and, and bringing you a little bit of uh, Hawkeye flavor. But we've got, uh, out of the 14 candidates, we've got 13 of them that are going to be in our capital city of Des Moines at a Republican Party of Iowa fundraiser. The only one not coming is Chris Christie, and he's decided he's not going to campaign in Iowa. So. That's 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 his. I think it's a mistake, but that's his decision. But we got the rest of the 13 there. They're all going to speak and all of them are going to be available afterwards 
to meet with people. They've got hospitality suites. We're sold out uh, and, and got a waiting list of 100. It's we're going to be partying on uh, in the Hawkeye State on Friday. We're really excited well, make about Make sure, it. you know, uh, uh, Jeff, make sure you take care of my daughter. I heard a rumor she's flying in for the evening. <laughs> she is. And in fact, I think a lot of your daughter, uh, she's a, I, I've had some great, great conversations. She's a terrific young lady. And she is actually going to be just a couple tables from me. And I believe my uh, son and his wife are sitting at the table with her. So I will absolutely make sure she gets a Hawkeye red carpet. Wow, well, that's thank a you so table. much. And maybe we'll talk to you for the weekend and, and get a report on how well it went. I would get you call and I'll be on your show. Okay, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you later in the week. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Now, let's go to the chief. Yeah, this uh, from is the fire department. Yeah, this there is John Esposito. There was a Esposito. major, major problem this morning. A uh, crane fell from uh, from fifty stories up. Chief, fill us in. What's going on? Good afternoon. Yeah, so, Chief. Uh, this is Chief John Esposito. Everybody, just want to make sure everybody knows. How are you today? First of all, congratulations on your. So we had a uh, little bit after seven o'clock this morning. Uh, we had a fire on a tower crane on the west side of Manhattan. Uh, the crane operator, uh, while he was up there lifting a bucket of uh, concrete uh, to, you know, on building under construction, realized that he had a fire in the engine compartment. Uh, not sure of how the fire started, uh, but tried to put it out, realized that he couldn't put it out, and then uh, quickly exited the cab. Uh, as you can see from some of the pictures, he has to climb down a straight ladder about 100 feet uh, wow! To get back back into that building under construction, uh, sometime after the fire started, and after fire department units were on the scene, uh, the boom of the crane collapsed and crashed down onto Tenth Avenue. And uh, thankfully, we had uh, only minor injuries. And uh, if you think about that, at the you know, it's a rush hour. What time? Uh, what time? Avenue. What time did that happen again, Chief? Because that was—I saw uh, the video. It was everywhere. I mean, it's gone viral. Yeah, it was about—I uh, don't know—seven fifteen, seven twenty, seven thirty this morning. Uh, you know, Tenth Avenue, right by uh, Port Authority, right by the uh, the Lincoln Tunnel. So, I think we were all very lucky that day, and we had a couple of fire, a uh, couple of fire trucks damaged by the debris, uh, and thankfully, no, no serious injuries. Well, that's extraordinary. Uh, again, if you look at the pictures, um, everybody, I woke up and like everybody, look at this, look at this. And you think about how dangerous are these cranes? There's been so many of these crane incidents um, happening over, you know, a number of years. You think about Superstorm Sandy, where a lot of them fell um, into main streets. How how dangerous is it also for and, you guys, too? And, and if, you know, during Superstorm Sandy, earlier in the day, we had a, a tower crane that was hanging over Sixth Avenue, and thankfully that didn't fall, but uh, it failed, and it was uh, you know it was hanging, and we were able to resolve that without it falling. Um, you know, we have an awful lot of tower cranes uh, set up and operating throughout the city, and do not really have all that many problems with them. But when we do have a problem, it's a it's a huge problem. Yeah, Chief Chief, this is Pete King. I've had the opportunity to speak with you over uh-huh. the years. I just want to commend yeah, you on the great sir. job you're doing. And hearing your voice today is very reassuring because I know that you're on the job and I wish you the best of luck as you go forward. 
Uh, very good. Thank you, Congressman. I'll tell my dad you said hello. Yeah, his, well. his, wow. wow. His, his father was a great football player at Brooklyn Prep when I was there. Wait, you didn't tell us that, Commissioner. You yeah. let that out. <laughs> I didn't realize uh, Congressman King was on. I, uh, um, yeah, my uh, my dad and, uh, and the Congressman went to the same high school at the same time. So uh, it's uh, great to hear Chief, you. Chief, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. I have a very important question to ask you. Was Peter King as good an athlete as he tells me he was? <laughs> no. Oh, he, t- he tells you that, too? <laughs> Absolutely. Whatever the congressman says is uh, is correct. I'm not the same breath as his father, believe me. <laughs> well, Commissioner, we really, really appreciate the update. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. And I'm glad that at least uh, everybody was safe and sound, which is extraordinary based on that video. You have a report now from uh, the border? Yeah, actually, that's coming up after the break. We're going to be break, up after the I break. Got, I got Frank Moreno is supposed to call in ah, to talk about UFOs. Wow, there was a big uh, there was a big uh, committee meeting today uh, in Congress, and there's some exposés coming out of what's really going on. Yeah, there was like a defense official, John, who came out yesterday and said some big stuff was being revealed. All, all our technology, wow. right? Why did we go at warp speed in technology after 1947? Well, who knows? Oh, well, somebody knows. Well, I wasn't around then, but you know what? The, okay, okay. <laughs> the insinuation Pete, I is, wasn't looking at you. The insinuation I is, is UFO technology. Let's take that break first. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. For a quick report, we got Frank Morano from the other side of midnight on the report on Congress. Frank Morano, what happened in Congress today? Did we learn anything new? UFOs. Yes, this was completely unlike the other two UFO hearings that we've seen. And uh, I'd be curious to hear, um, you know, Congressman King's perspective of how typical or atypical this sort of a hearing was compared to a typical oversight committee hearing. We heard testimony from three witnesses, all very credible, all with uh, impeccable reputations, all with lengthy careers in the military and in the U.S. government. We heard from Ryan Graves, a former F-18 pilot, who said when he was stationed in Virginia, they would see UAPs so frequently, this is around 2014, that they would have to, he and his other fellow F-18 pilots, would have to uh, make arrangements for essentially how to uh, dodge these UAPs as they were flying. We heard from David Grush, who um, gave that explosive interview with News Nation uh, a couple of weeks ago. This is a former senior intelligence officer and a member of the UAP task force. He said that uh, the government is in possession of aircraft of non-human origin, and he's been told by very senior people, he hasn't seen them firsthand, that they may even have uh, extraterrestrials. And we heard from retired Navy Commander David Fravor. He's the one that you hear in that infamous Tic Tac video from 2004 off the coast of San Diego on the USS Nimitz, where they're trying to follow these Tic Tac-shaped objects. He said that the objects that they saw, he and his fellow pilots, were complete, far superior to everything we have or are likely to have in the next 10 years. And he went on to say that if our government does have these objects, 
there should be some sort of oversight from democratically elected branches of government. The key theme from the members of Congress, both Republican like uh, Congressman uh, Burkett and uh, Congresswoman Luna and Democrat, people like Congressman Moskowitz and the witnesses, was that there's been a tremendous lack of transparency by our own government. Congresswoman Luna, in her testimony or in her question, she said that 68 percent of Americans in a recent poll said they didn't believe the government was telling the truth about UFOs. And she said she agrees with that sentiment. According to Burkett, when they ask for information, they've been stonewalled again and again. So we're going to do a whole hour on this tonight. So tune in between 1 and 5 a.m. We've got some of the best experts. What time? I'm going to stay up. Members of Congress. Frank Moreno, I'm going to stay up and listen to you. At 2 a.m., I will be up listening to you. Frank Morano, the other side of midnight. And I've been told but from other sources that a lot of our technology came from, uh, guess what? The other side of midnight. No, oh, very uh, interesting. Frank Morano, thank but, you so much. But I've, heard the fly, I've heard the flying saucers come from Staten Island, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> Just outside of your home in Long Island, yeah. I think. They don't want to pay the congestion pricing fee. They're that's it. I don't they blame them. They fly above the... Uh, yeah, I don't blame them. <laughs> All right, let's go to our next... Thank you, Frank. I'll be listening Thanks, to you on the other side of midnight between 1 and 5. Awesome. And by the way, hot day on Capitol Hill, a huge hearing, not just the UFOs, but also one on the border and the head of uh, the security secretary, the Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, on the hot seat big time. There's a potential that impeachment may be coming soon. And joining us now is the former acting commissioner of Customs and Border Protection, Mark Morgan. Uh, Mark, he was grilled, skewered and baked today. Yeah, absolutely. And am I only one? Is this man not the most smug, arrogant cabinet level official we've ever seen? I mean, you see when, when, whenever a Republican is challenging him based on facts and truth, he kind of raises his chin and then, and then he'll dodge the answer and then he'll just completely divert his eyes away as he continues to lift his chin. I mean, he is the worst example and worst representative I think of a cabinet level official that we we really had in, in modern history, and, and, and I mean it's unbelievable to me. Finally, after, just real quick, so after two and a half years, two and a half years that he's lied to the American people and he's lied to Congress again and again, it finally took Chip Roy again using the 2006 Secure Fence Act, which was was a congressionally passed law that defined what operational control was, and that's in part the prevention of all illegal aliens along our entire border system. And he finally, after two and a half years, had to finally admit he'd been lying and said, no, we do not have operational control. That was one of the big kind of mic drops I thought, moments of, of the entire hearing. Yeah, and everybody, we are talking to Mark Morgan, uh, the former acting commissioner of Customs and Border Protection. I agree with you, Mark. When I heard that, I went, wow, he was finally pushed to the brink. Um, yep. The other thing, too, he kept dodging like you just said. Here it is. His job, Alejandro Mayorkas, he is the Homeland Security Secretary. I can't think of a more important position in America than protecting the homeland when you think that is the primary duty of our president, or at least it's supposed to be. Um, but you look at what's going on there. He couldn't even answer where those on the terrorist watch list were. The, the members of Congress are like, OK, where are these people or the worst of the worst that you actually caught? Where are the two million? Where are this? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it was an insult, I thought, to the American people, Mark Morgan. It was an, it was not only an insult, but, but, you know, I keep saying, when are the American people going to wake up? And I know I'm being a little naive, but 
just for a moment, I wish American people would just, just for a moment, put aside their ideology and their politics and just look at facts, right? Read when it, when it comes to national security threat, you just talked about a significant threat. So the secretary of DHS is asked of, of all the, the, the illegal aliens that have been apprehended that are on the FBI's terrorist screening database, where are they? What are the concerns? He can't answer. But here's the next question. How about the 1.5 million known gotaways, the illegal aliens that have entered our borders and evaded apprehension in the last 28 months? 1.5 million. That's literally like adding a 51st state of known gotaways. Here's what the secretary can't answer as well. How many among the 1.5 million known gotaways are additional illegal aliens on the FBI terror screening database. Mr. Secretary, is it possible that we could have a sleeper cell right now in the United States planning the next terrorist attack? And that his, his honest answer would be, it's possible, but I have no idea. That should scare the crap out of it's, all of us. It's not just a cell. I mean, we, we know that uh, Chinese are sending in uh, hackers uh, just so that whenever Taiwan and China go at it, if we interfere... What's going to happen? They're going after our infrastructure. Uh, this is not rocket science. I don't know how anybody thinks that this will end well. I see no way that this could possibly end well. What's your thoughts, Mark Morgan, to Rudy Washington? Yeah, so look, he said something that I say all the time that I completely agree. This is not rocket science here. This is just common sense. When, 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 you have, when you've abdicated complete control or border to the cartels, that's not a good thing. He talks about the, the, the 12,000, I think it's 12 to 14,000 Chinese nationals. When, when the secretary's asked about that, he doesn't answer for that either. But, but I tell you what, look, I, we don't know exactly what's driving that, but shouldn't we know that? Yes. Shouldn't that be alarming? Absolutely. I mean, we all know China is one of our most formal foes. They are not our allies. And yet we've had this exponential skyrocket in illegal aliens. And my question, again, is that's how many we've apprehended. How many are among the 1.5 million gotaways? We have no idea. It's the same thing with drugs, Rita. He keeps talking about all the drugs that they've seized. He's pandering to the workforce. And the workforce knows that he's pandering to them. It's not about how many drugs you seize. It's about how many drugs you're not seizing. Exactly. No, you hit it on the head. You hit on that. Mark Morgan. They're killing 10,000 Americans a month. Yeah, isn't that amazing? And the numbers are rising, just like you said. And he has no clue. He gave, I don't think, any American any assurance that the border is safe, that they're monitoring these gotaways, the drugs. Uh, Mark Morgan, thank you so much for joining us on such a big news day. We appreciate it. And now, the Fed raised another quarter point. What is that going to mean to the banks? What is that going to mean to uh, the economy? With us today is uh, one of our leading hosts. Uh, we have Steve Moore and uh, uh, very close with Larry Kudlow. Steve Moore, what the heck is going on? <laughs> well, hi, John. Great to be with you. Hi, Rita. So this is, uh, this is the 11th or 12th rate increase, John, as you know, over the last uh, 14 months or so, which is almost unprecedented. I don't think that's ever happened before. You know, we were close to zero interest rates uh, a year and a half ago, and now it's up to five and a quarter, five, uh, five and a half, I think they're at now. Some people think that they're going to go up to 6%. And how is that affecting the average person? Well, 
let me give you an example. It's I mean, killing I the average them. person. I'll give you the answer to that. <laughs> it's killing them. It's killing them. And Steve Boy, I don't understand one thing. How can they allow the big banks, if we weren't on the brink of recession, on the brink of of a depression, how are the Fed allowing the banks to raise their dividend rate? Uh, Well, good question about about that, because the banks are really struggling with with these rising interest rates. One of the reasons you've seen banks like Silicon Valley Bank and others face problems is they're holding on to a lot of these government bonds, which once had a, you know, three, two or three percent interest rate now have, you know, five and a half percent interest rate. So that depresses the value of the bonds that they have on their balance sheets. And it's put a lot of banks into trouble. So how you're, you raise a good question. How are so many of these banks raising their dividends? But I wanted to give an example of the real world impact that this has on, you know, the guy and the lady on Main Street, which is that the mortgage rate has gone from less than 3% when Trump left office. Now, in many markets, it's above 7% and it's going to go higher now. And it's going to make it more expensive, John, as you know, for businesses to borrow, to expand their businesses. So this is going to squeeze the economy. There's no doubt about it. Who's, who's going to lend American industry money if the banks are in trouble themselves? I mean, this is this is going to cause big problems for our banks. Meanwhile, by the way, they're trying to put higher capital requirements on banks, which will lead to even less lending. I think this is a catastrophe. I just want to remind your listeners that the reason the Fed has had to raise interest rates now 11 times is because of the Biden spending spree, which led to inflation. Uh, that went up to 9.2% exactly a year ago. Now we're down to somewhere between 3 and 4% inflation, but that's still well above the target. Rather than having the Fed raise interest rates, Rita and John, what I'd like drill to Drill more oil. Drill, baby, drill. What's that? Drill, baby, drill and cut government spending. Yeah. That would grow the economy. You got three chances on that. Slim and none. <laughs> Thank you, Steve <laughs> yeah. Moore. We watch. We will we'll be listening to you on uh, Saturday one at uh, on one o'clock, right after Larry Kudlow, the number one show on on uh, WABC on Saturdays. Thank you so much, and we have to take a break. Let's take that break. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on seventy-seven WABC. And we are back on Cats and Cosby. Obviously, the huge news today, the plea deal that fell apart with Hunter Biden, all eyes on the White House now. Joining us is Andy McCarthy, of course, former assistant U.S. attorney. Andy, uh, this was a stunning moment today. Let's talk about the implications. Your thoughts. Well, my first thought, Rita, is what better time to indict Trump again, which I imagine people keep asking me, what's the next thing that's going to happen in the Biden case? And I I keep saying they indict Trump again because that's that'll step on the story tomorrow. Right. Um, But, you know, I think the implications of this are um, it's been exposed that this is not a real case or a real investigation. What they tried to do today was um, a political act that was dressed up as a plea agreement, but they couldn't afford to do what you do in a plea agreement, um, which is lay out all of the understandings of the parties, because that would have been scandalous. The Justice Department 
couldn't write a plea agreement. It's the same reason they haven't filed an indictment in this case. They couldn't write something that said, uh, we're giving Hunter two misdemeanor pleas that he's not going to do any jail time for, make a gun felony that uh, people can get sent to jail for up to 10 years over. Uh, We're going to make that disappear. And he gets immunity from any potential charges arising out of 2014 to 2019. So, uh, not just tax charges, but, uh, you know, money laundering, uh, failure to file as a, a register as a foreign agent, uh, bribery conspiracy, whatever, you know, arises out of those facts. He gets and, and, for. and this is Pete King. In all your years as a prosecutor, I mean, you were involved in many plea deals and agreements. Do you ever see anything that's flagrant? No. In fact, I, I think, Pete, that it, that's the galling part of it because it's so insulting to the intelligence once you understand what they're trying to do there's no reason they they acknowledge today or at least they said that there was a continuing investigation uh, which we knew already because this guy devin archer hunter's partner who's going to testify for the house on monday he supposedly already testified in the grand jury so there's obviously an investigation what reason on god's green earth would the government have to give a plea agreement to one of the main subjects of the investigation to nonsense charges when the guy's not cooperating and the investigation isn't over yet. And Andy, Andy, the point is he got busted. They got busted because it was sort of like a co-conspirators almost, if you will, that they were going in with this plan and they just, the judge said, wait a minute, I see this. I see what you're trying well, to I do. I want to hear Andrew's analysis of uh, did, did uh, Latham and Watkins law firm call uh, last night? Oh yeah, that's a whole separate issue yeah, too. I mean, yeah, and, and, and what was the story Andy, on that? Yeah, Andy, you know the call too that went the whole thing to uh, Jason Smith pretending like they were part of Congress. Yeah, so I'm not so sure that that's what they did, Rita. I'm gonna like let that breathe a little bit because it doesn't make sense to me that she would use her own name to commit a fraud, and I it, that didn't turn out to be that big of an issue today. So what I suspect happened was there actually was a garble between the woman who called and the court clerk, because it makes no sense that they that Latham would let the House know that they were going to make this motion. Yeah. And then they they claimed it was a misunderstanding. Yeah, they claimed it was a misunderstanding. So let's go back to the plea deal, because that obviously let's talk about it it looked to me. And Judge, you and I were talking earlier. It looked like they kind of tried to pull the wool. And then suddenly the judge said, wait a minute, let's go through the details here, Judge Weinberg. Andy, it's Richard Weinberg. I have to tell you, I have to commend this judge for doing what she did. She was asking tough questions. She was putting both sides to the proof. She made it perfectly clear that there was no understanding here. As you and I both know from our experience, a plea deal is a contract. It's a deal. So one is saying, you know, this is it. It closes everything out. It's a blanket immunity. The other one is saying, no, no, it's not. So she's absolutely right for pulling that out. She also pulled out that there may be something to do with the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. So what do you yeah, say well, about this? Yeah, I, I think that the really dishonest party here is the Justice Department. I agree. That's why I, I use the phrase co-conspirators. Well, I think Rita's right about that. They're right. In the normal case, this is why the, the regulations tell the attorney general to appoint a special counsel when there's a, a conflict of interest like this, right? In the normal case, the government or the prosecutors and the defendant are adversaries. So the government is looking out for the public interest and the Democrat, the defense is 
Democrat, I, I, that's a Freudian slip, huh? Um, the, the defense is looking after the defendant's interest. But in this case, they're in cahoots. So it turned out that she didn't really have to ask that many difficult questions because what the Justice Department did here was write an agreement, which is unlike any other agreement they write, which should tip you off because almost all these agreements are pro forma. I mean, the, my, my favorite thing as a prosecutor was when defense lawyers used to ask me to change terms in our form plea agreement, I used to tell them, no, we don't do that. We, it's the same agreement for everyone. Yeah, Peter, uh, uh, Andy, Andy Peter King has a question. Yeah, Andy, I, I was just yeah. going to say, you know, put yourself in the mind of the prosecutors who worked out that deal. Do they uh, think they would get away with this today? Um, wasn't that a pretty basic question the judge asked? If she hadn't asked that question, uh, 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 Hunter could have claimed total, total immunity once that, once that deal was authorized, right? Yeah, well, I think, it, Pete, I think that the Bidens think they have Delaware wired. And what happens in many cases is that the judge just accepts the plea agreement and basically says to each side, did you read this? Did you read? Because they're not they're not fishy on their face. They look like they're legit. As it turns out, this judge did her job and asked. She looked at this agreement and she said, this looks like a highly unusual agreement. And as the judge was just referring to, she flushed out instantly that they were not in agreement on what it meant with yeah. respect to the most important term, which was how much immunity does Hunter get from the deal? And if you don't have an agreement on the main, if you don't have a meeting of the minds on the main terms, you don't have an agreement. Yeah. Sure. Everybody, we're talking to former U.S. attorney Andy McCarthy. Rudy Washington, you got a question? Yes, Mr. McCarthy, for the listeners, um, Devin Archer, having testified uh, at the grand jury, he can't change his testimony when he's in front of Congress next week. Yeah, I, I think probably the, if the, and, and this isn't clear, um, but if the Justice Department's investigation is in any way legitimate, I have to believe that the only reason that they're agreeing to let him testify in front of Congress, usually the Justice Department would fight if they were doing a, a you know, an active investigation uh, and, Congress wanted to talk to one of its main witnesses. The only reason I, I, I can imagine that they feel comfortable letting him go ahead and talk to the House is that he's locked in in his grand jury testimony and that he knows if he changes it, he's going to have big problems. But I have to say, if I were the prosecutor, I would be I would be fighting tooth and nail and trying to make uh, Chairman Comer understand that it, it can only hurt the case uh, to have this guy testify at this point. And that's why I continue to be suspicious. So you, this so you think there's a possibility that Comer doesn't know what he's going to say? Well, Comer wouldn't have the grand jury transcript. You can be sure that the Justice Department hasn't shared their information with Comer. Um, so are they throwing dice here? No, well, they, I don't no. know. I, you know, here, here's they the asked, thing we they, don't know. Comer, so Comer he, asked him what he said. He can say it. Isn't that correct, yeah, Andy? And, yeah. Correct. And also, we don't know if he's maybe he's informally met with some of these guys, which which happens all the time. Yeah. And in fact, I was about to say, I've heard that. Um, John, uh, your thoughts, too. This is amazing what's been going on. I mean, this is amazing. Nobody can believe it. Dershowitz was even stunned uh, before when we had him on. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I just, you know, people have learned not to trust what's going on in Washington. And I think. What the American people want, they want the truth, and they want the, the, the people that are guilty to be punished because that's 
That's what's going. That's the only thing that's going to save America is that our Justice Department is trusted by the American people. Well, I, I totally agree with that, and I think we should just thank God that for, on one day we had one judge who actually did her job with integrity and independence. We keep hearing all this stuff from the Biden Justice Department about how everything's done with integrity and independence, but I think we saw which person in that courtroom was acting with integrity and in, in independence. Today. Yeah, that was stunning. Uh, by the way, real quick, they left open that there is an investigation into this Foreign Influence uh, Act, which is, by the way, opens this enormous can of worms, uh, potentially about influence peddling, uh, bribery, corruption. The White House is panicking today, Andy. Yeah, well, you know, the, the veil is being lifted, Rita, again, This is why people ask me, what happens now? Does he go to trial? And I'm like, go to trial on what? They've never indicted him. They've never wanted to say what the case was about. Absolutely. You're right. Wow. Thank Uh, you. Thank you so much uh, for coming on. We got a quick uh, comment, actually, from Judge Weinberg. Real quick here. Andy, you and I have been doing this business a long, long time. The answer is that the Justice Department should stand for justice. And if it's not that, we're in a big situation that takes the country down. Amen. 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 Andy, Amen. thank you. Wow. And Andy. what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, and the American way. God bless America, and I hope America we get to the truth. That's all we want. Reporting here from the Daily Planet building. <laughs>